We miss Rick. Of course, he's going to be away for a few days, but he's doing a good work, doing the work of the Lord. We appreciate that. I noticed, and I'm sure you did too, when he told the congregation that had he known he was coming to White Oak, he would not have planned that trip because Rick is a very determined local preacher, and we're thankful for that. He uh, He's doing a good work already and know that he's going to be doing more, and we appreciate that so much. And we really... Really look forward to a long association with Rick and his family. We're so thankful that they're here to work with us. Some time ago, I was talking with an individual, and uh, as we discussed some things from the Scripture, he made this statement, Oh, you're judging. You're judging. Don't you know that the Bible teaches that you're not supposed to judge? He was pretty upset with me. (laughs) The Bible teaches that you're not supposed to judge. And I said, well, you know, that's something we really need to think about. Give a little little study to. And so that's what started me thinking about this and putting this particular lesson together. The subject of judgment. It is a very important subject. And one that we need to fully know and understand concerning what the Bible teaches. Now, <clears throat> when people say, and we do hear that often today, well, you're not supposed to judge. And when people say that, they usually have reference to that little verse that's quoted there on your outline. When this statement is made, it usually has reference to a verse of Scripture which reads, Judge not that you be not judged. And that's Matthew 7 and verse 1. Let's turn to Matthew 7. It's understandable that when people have not studied and do not know, many times they make great mistakes when it comes to what the Bible teaches. In Judges, uh, rather in Matthew uh, chapter 7 and verse 1, Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with the, what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why hold, beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is on, in thine eye? Thou hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now when you examine that, you understand that it's not condemning all judging. That is just not the case. And it's good for us to know what the Bible teaches concerning judgment. It's, it is condemning hypocritical judgment, as it's brought out here. Turn over to Romans 2. The Jews were prone to this type of judgment. And the warning is given. Uh, <clears throat> in Romans 2, <clears throat> i get my pages to turn. 
Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou hast judgest, thou judgest that doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? That's a statement right there that we need to fully appreciate. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. You think of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and what he's done for us to make our salvation possible. All the things that he's done that we might have salvation. So the goodness of God leads people to repentance. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, Treasures up into thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So then, judgment is going to come, and judgment is something that we need to know what the Bible teaches concerning. Now, notice there on your outline. The Bible commands righteous judgment. And that's in John 7. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. John 7, verse 24. So it's obvious from this passage that there is a right kind of judgment. And that we, make, we must make judgments as we go through life. The command then is to practice judging, judging righteously in the way that we judge. Now we know that judging is not wrong because God judges. It can't be wrong. To the general assembly, the church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews 12 verse 23. If it were wrong to judge, God's wrong. But we know it's not. It's just that Matthew 7, 1 condemns uh, hypocritical judgment. And <clears throat> so we need to understand that, uh, that God does judge. Turn to Acts 10, Acts chapter 10. The Bible plainly shows these things to us to help us know that Acts 10, verse 42, And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. That's Christ. He's been ordained of God to judge the quick or the alive and the dead. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> he 
in Second Timothy chapter four, verse eight, where Paul makes this statement: Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So Christ is the Judge. God is the judge. It is not wrong to judge. But it is wrong to be hypocritical in judgment. And that's what Matthew chapter 7 is dealing with. Now, when that man made the statement to me, you can't judge. You can't do that. Well, there's some things we have to judge. We even have to judge ourselves because we as we look at what the Bible teaches we see what the Bible teaches and the Bible makes it plain that we need to examine ourselves and judge according to that which is given to us in scripture and make righteous judgment now of course the Bible does teach that people will be judged in the last day. On your outline there at 3a, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. John 12, verse 48. So that's making it plain to us that the day is coming when we will be judged. We will stand before God in judgment. And that's exactly what that's, that's talking about. So the time of judgment to come is for both the righteous and the wicked. Look at the next verse there. It be, I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and every work. Ecclesiastes 3.17 God is going to judge all people. And we need to understand that. So then, when the time comes for judgment to be done, that'll be when God chooses, when Christ returns. Christ will be the judge in the last day. At C there on your outline, 3C. In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he raised him from the dead. That's Acts 17, verses 30 and 31. You can't read those verses and not understand the time is coming when we will stand before God to be judged. And that's exactly what that's talking about. So the Bible plainly teaches that all people will be judged. Now, we've already noted God is going to judge both the righteous and the wicked. And the Bible, Bible says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works so we'll be judged according to the way that we live in this life how we need to understand then the importance 
of living the kind of life that God wants us to live. Now, because God is so merciful, so loving, and extends to us the grace that he does, he's made it possible for all people to be saved. And how thankful we can be for that. The psalmist declared, For thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and please in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Psalm 86 and verse 5. Now, calling upon God. What's involved in calling upon God? Remember what Saul of Tarsus was told? Remember what happened? He went into the city. He'd been there blind and praying for three days. And Ananias came to him. And Ananias said to him, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22, verse 16. There you have it very plainly set forth what calling on the name of the Lord means. It means to obey God, to do his will, to obey the gospel, to become a Christian, and live the Christian life. That's what that's talking about. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Only one thing can take away the sins of mankind, and it's not water. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 6 and verse 3 makes it plain that we're baptized into his death. That's where he shed his blood. And when he shed his blood... He shed it to make it possible for our sins to be washed away by that blood. And so the initial cleansing comes when people do exactly what Saul of Tarsus did. Call on the name of the Lord by rendering obedience to what the Bible teaches one to do to become a Christian. That's why it's important that people understand what the Bible teaches concerning this matter of becoming a Christian and how God wants us to live. So those who obey the gospel and live a faithful Christian life, they will be on the right hand of the day of judgment. In Matthew 25, we're given a description of the judgment. And uh, in verse 34 of Matthew 25, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew 25, 34. There's going to be a time when righteous people are judged and then be able to enter heaven if they're in that right-hand group. So the faithful Christian does not have to fear the judgment. But the unbelieving, the unfaithful, do have to fear it because they will be on the left hand. Notice Matthew twenty five, forty six, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto life eternal. You see that life eternal is what God's made possible for us. And we can have eternal life by obeying God, by doing his will. So when one comes to Christ on his terms, 
when he obeys, when he calls on the name of the Lord by obeying the gospel, believing in Christ as, as the Son of God, being willing to repent of sins. Now, <clears throat> that's something that needs to be understood. Sometimes people believe that they can be saved without repenting. It just won't work. Repentance is a command of God. One must repent. That is, make up one's mind no longer to let sin control our lives, but to turn away from sin. Make up a mind to do what's right. And when we obey the gospel and live the Christian life, we don't have to fear the judgment. We know when we stand before God, if we're on that right side in that great day of judgment, we're going to go into eternal life, live with God in heaven eternally. And how, what a great and wonderful blessing that is. So really, every person determines what's going to happen to himself. He'll either be lost be separated from God eternally or live with God eternally in heaven. The psalmist declared, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Psalm 119, verse 30. So like the psalmist, we today must make a choice. We must choose to come to Christ on his terms, obey the gospel, and then live the Christian life. That's how we prepare for the judgment. So we need to appreciate the fact that the Bible does teach very plainly that there are some judgments to be made, that God is a judge, Christ is a judge, and since they are, judgment cannot be wrong. So we do make judgments in this life and then make the decision to come to Christ on his terms, obey the gospel, and live the Christian life. And when we do, when that day comes and the separation is made, left and right will be on the right and be able to live eternally with God in heaven. So that's something to give consideration to. How sad it is that so many times people go through this life never making the choice. A friend of mine used to preach over in another part of Tennessee, and they had a man in the congregation. They couldn't have a gospel meeting or anything go on in that congregation. That man wasn't there. He's there for it. But he never made a choice to obey the gospel. And one day, his life ended. And he never had made the choice guess where he'll be on the day of judgment and he was involved he had visiting preachers in his home he and his wife fed preachers and so forth took care of things like that but he never obeyed the gospel and that's the scary thing to go through this life and never make the choice to become a Christian and live the Christian life. And how sad that does occur. I, years ago, had a study with a young man. 
and uh, he and his wife and went to the point of ready to go to the church building and baptize them. But when we got up, all of a sudden he just sat down. He said, I can't do that. And I said, what do you mean you can't do that? He said, if I do that, I'm saying I'll never see my daddy again. So I said, you know, I'm sure your dad was a was a good man. Did your dad teach you to do what was right? Oh yeah, he did. If your dad had known what was right as far as the Bible is concerned, like you do now, do you think that he would have obeyed it? He said, I sure do. But I can't do it. And to this day, if he's still living, the last I knew, he still never had been baptized. Neither he nor his wife. And so they'll lose their soul even after coming to the knowledge of the Scriptures and what the Scriptures teaches. Now, they were attending a well-known denomination, and they, when I studied with them, it was so easy because they had been studying, they had been reading the Bible, and they could see that what they were being taught in that denomination was wrong, that it did not agree with the Bible. But they just couldn't bring themselves to turn away from it and obey the gospel. And how sad that is. And that's happening so many times today with people who just will not listen. But people who want to jump up and say, Oh, you can't judge. You can't judge. They're usually unhappy with what they've learned and they don't want to go against what they've always thought was right. And how sad that is. So anyway, we just need to know that the Bible does teach judgment and that there will be a final judgment when we will stand before God and give an account and notice carefully that that judgment is going to be according to that which we have done, whether it be right or wrong. There is righteous judgment, and there is eternal judgment to come that we need to be ready for when that time comes. So these are the things that the Bible just very plain on. Uh, no problem to, to understand and appreciate what it teaches. And we really need to be willing to obey God to do what he says, do it like he says. And that's what he says concerning salvation, that we must believe in Christ as the Son of God. We must repent of our sins. We must confess his name. And we must be baptized because all those things are set forth in Scripture for us. And I hope that we can appreciate and understand the importance of obeying God and being ready when we do stand before God in judgment. And we will. We'll all be there. 
and we'll give account according to the way that we've lived in this life. Ron, do we have people downstairs? Nobody down there? Okay. Okay. What's our invitation? 89. 89. Number 89.